My dream job would be giving speeches, writing books, and doing podcasts for the rest of my life. Welcome back to Midnight O Two Season Two, Episode Nine. This is your host Amy. How was your day? Okay, I know I always started with this question. Because honestly, I really want to know, but you guys never told me. <laughs> so it's just me here talking by myself. Well, anyways, I appreciate some of you send me your feedback as well as how you feel when it comes to specific topics. So today is a special episode because we've hit a thousand downloads. Yay for Midnight O Two! So thank you for those who listen and stay tuned to what I have to say. I really appreciate every single one of you. So today I'm going to do a Q and A episode, and I've organized some lists of questions, and I asked some of my viewers as well as the things that I want to tell you. So behind the scenes, that kind of stuff for Midnight O Two, and here comes to the first question. Why is Midnight O Two called Midnight O Two? Okay, so I think Midnight is a name when a lot of people can't fall asleep. So I thought of it, and then that's also why I started my podcast, in which I explained a lot in the first season. So I usually stay up a lot, either writing or recording or just thinking. So I thought, at first, I wanted to name the podcast Midnight Oxygen, and then I talked about it with my partner. He was like, "Why don't you just make it O two? It's much simpler and more straightforward." And I was like, "Oh, that's a great idea. Let's just call it Midnight O two, and that's how how we got this name." I hope you like this. I thought it was pretty interesting because I searched up a lot of names, and a lot of people already use like Midnight Stories, Midnight、uh, Tales, or just Midnight whatever whatever that comes after, or Midnight Rhythm, Midnight Melodies. It's already、uh, pretty commonly used in other people's channels. Either it's like songwriter, or like albums, or podcasts. And I wanted to do something just special, unique, of course, my style. And then I found out that nobody named their podcast Midnight O Two, and I was like, that's a perfect name. Okay, that was a long answer for the question. Okay, number two. How long does it take for you to record and to edit? So my answer is it depends. So you've noticed my season one podcast was much shorter, and each episode in season one was about like fifteen minutes. So season two includes longer episodes with new editing style. If you haven't noticed, I put one short audio clip in the very beginning of everything, so you would know. What we're going into, so I wanted to make a difference and make a change in season two, and maybe later on. I'm still trying to figuring out everything, and sometimes I spend fifteen、mm, minutes writing down main points before recording, but I don't read from scripts. It's easier for me to just talk and have them in my brain, so I don't have anything in front of me while I'm recording, and sometimes recording could take up to four hours. Including editing, when it comes to 
an episode with a guest. So every guest is different. They will have different stories that they want to tell, and sometimes I don't want to cut a guest off, but then I would remind them that、uh, the length and the style and the theme that I want for the episode. So it does depend on the guest and his or her speaking style. Okay, number three is writing, podcasting your full time job. So no, not for now. So I'm also a designer and a digital media strategist. I've worked as a freelance designer for two years now, but I know deep down in my heart, it's different from writing. Writing is like a mission to me. It's like a calling. It's pretty different from design. I love art. You know, I I'm I was an art student, so it's writing is just something I can't live without. So my dream job would be giving speeches, writing books, and doing podcasts for the rest of my life. Like I would like to meet more audiences and my readers and interact with people in real life. That's what I want. I want to be that someone who gives speeches to those younger people, younger teenagers, young adults. I want to say things to them, especially things that I wasn't able to hear when I was at their age. Just I want to be someone like that, because I couldn't meet one when I was at their age. Next question: What is that one podcast interview question you really love asking, and why? Okay, uh, this is a very uh interesting question because I love asking my guests. If you could summarize your experience or love for your passion in one sentence, what would it be? And then my guests would go into like a long,、um, or like a、uh, or like、uh, that's hard, because it's it's like never written on my script. I should have. <laughs> so they always end up be like,、uh, Amy, can you can you cut this long、um, off later on? And I'll be like, okay, I'll I'll edit that out <laughs> upon their requests. So. I love asking that summary question with one sentence. I just thought it's a way for them to reflect back on their love on something. Either it's acting, singing, or traveling. It's just important for me to know why they do the things that they do. I believe they're here for a reason, and they do those things because their hearts are like that, and they follow what they believe. That's why I love asking the question. Okay. Next question: What is the one thing you wish you had known before you began your career? So, in terms of writing career, I wish I had known that writing is more than just writing. I briefly talked about this before when I introduced my book Reborn in the very few last episodes in season one. So, if you're interested in those, you could go back. I wanted to bring it up because I wish I had known that writing is more than just writing. If you want to be a full-time writer, then there's a lot of responsibilities that comes with it. You no longer just sit there and write. So I found out and learned about this as I published my first book. My publisher told us all the new writers. They said, "You don't write books." You have to sell your books, and that was something that's really 
that goes against what I wanted a little bit. I want to be fully transparent and honest here. I've always had a problem promoting my book, promoting myself. You might think that I'm a very confident person, but yes, I am confident. But I don't want to be recognized as someone who's arrogant or cocky or bossy. Like I may seem overly confident at times, but then I deep down believe that <laughs> if you like my words, then you will love my poetry. And I don't want to force anybody, or it just feels like forcing. To me, to try to sell people and do the marketing, the business side of stuff. Although I've done business-related projects, it's just it was hard for me to connect the business side of me with the writer part of me. So I wish I had known more about this before, you know, writing or in publishing a book. Just you have to be mentally prepared when it comes to being an author and being a writer, and if you want to take this seriously in your life. So that's the reality side of the thing. And next question: What is your biggest failure, and what did you learn from it? This one is a killer question for me because I've failed many, many, many times, and there's a lot of failure stories that I could share. But I, I would want to, I would want to save your time today. I'm gonna just tell one. So my worst failure in life. Was probably not sticking with what I wanted from the beginning. So since middle school and high school, I've always known that I love writing. I've always been secretly looking into English major, secretly looking at creative writing categories, all their classes, courses, all their thesis papers, and everything. When I was in high school, it was my dream to be. A student in a creative writing track, no matter what school I looked at. But then my biggest failure was to listen too much on what people want me to do when I was younger, and I wasted a lot of time on it. I wish I didn't. All those times I could have spent in the right department doing the things that made me happy. But then I was so young that I listened to what people wanted me to do and what people wanted me to be. Until that one day, I was in chemistry lab when I went to college. They asked me, "If you like writing, then why are you in chemistry class? Why are you here?" I remember my lab partner was a math major student, and he asked me this question. And I looked at him. I was like, "You have a point. Why am I here?" And then I felt like I just woke up. You know, it was all of a sudden. I was like. Yeah, like I'm here all by myself. I can make decisions for my life. For those,、um, if you're my American audience, you probably don't understand how this works. But it's hard being an Asian and doing things that are outside of laws, medicine, engineering. That's why in the beginning of my, I have to mention this quote again. In the beginning of my book, I wrote this quote. It's given by my best friend from Dead Poets Society, and the quote says, "We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race, and a human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, 
These are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. She shared this quote with me a while ago before I wrote my book, and it stuck with me. Probably will stick with me for the rest of my life. And my biggest failure was to listen to too much, listen too much to what people wanted me to do. I wish I didn't, but now I gotta do what I gotta do. So that's why I'm here. Okay, that was a long answer. Next question: What is your favorite film? So for those who know me in person, you've heard this a thousand times. My favorite film slash movie is About Time. At first, I thought it was just another romantic movie, but then guess what? It's not. It's about life. It's about everything. And every time I watch the movie About Time, I feel something different. I like it so much that I bought like a DVD. <laughs> That's how much I love it. Every time I watch it, I feel something different, and every time I watch it, I cry. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's a good movie. I recommend it to everybody. So I'm the type of person who loves watching movies that make me think. And when I said make me think, it's the type of movie when I walk out of the theater, and I can't just tell you if I like it or not. The movie has to make me think and rethink about it. I have to sleep on it for like a one day, two days, and then I'll come back and tell you if I like it and why or why not. I like those movies that challenge my thoughts, moral values, just a lot of things that are different from my beliefs. Interesting, right? Because I love writing about feelings, emotions, but. I don't go into theater just to watch romantic movies. It's not like the stories are not great. Of course, they are great, but they are just not my type of movies. So, fun fact of Amy. <laughs> Now you know. If you have any, you know, related or these type of movies, please recommend them to me. I really appreciate it. Next question. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a writing career similar to yours? So I would say just keep writing. You know, if you love writing, then you will automatically keep writing. <laughs> I actually have answered this question during an interview with my high school, Taipei American School, and the interviewer and I were talking about. What kind of suggestions or advice I'll give to young writers, especially high school students who love writing? And I just told them try to write because you love writing instead of writing to please others. That's very important. If you once once you forget why you started writing, everything will go wrong. That's what I believe. So of course I love my readers and I love all the feedback. But I don't want to write just to match a specific something or to match a specific standard. Of course, I want to improve my writing and my style, and try different tones, different voices. But then I don't want to write something that I don't want. That's one of my principles for myself. And I remembered answering. I would tell the students to submit your work. Submit your writing to all the journals that you know, 
no matter if it's magazines or online competitions or just different kind of journals and colleges or different schools. Just try to reach out and show your writing to the world and don't keep them to yourself. Because I believe writings and poetry should be read. And when it's read by someone, you could change someone's life. And that someone could change your life as well. Next up, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? So I acknowledge that I'm very privileged. I was able to go to college, attended a really good school, University of Washington. And I was in a good city that was very friendly to writers and humanities and arts. Seattle, again, it's a perfect city for those who love arts and writing. I love visiting all the galleries and bookstores. So when it comes to resources, I believe mm, my parents, they've helped a lot. No matter if it's from them not supporting what I wanted at first, to me trying to prove to them what I could do with writing, it's hard, but... I've done it. <laughs> I've tried my best. I can proudly say that right now. After 10 years of writing and debating about what writing means to me. You know when someone goes against you and you really want to do something that's not right in their eyes? And then I would try to rethink and think about this every single day. Is this what I want? Yes. Then I would go on. It's a thought process that makes me think about how much I value writing, how much I need writing in my life. And I think this hard, this type of determination is difficult and rare. And I'm very happy that I found it in my life because not a lot of people know what they want. But at least... I found this. <laughs> so best resources that have helped me, I would say, is education. Education is important. I love learning. But I know sometimes higher level education is not for everybody. So I wouldn't just recommend everybody, you should go study. But for those who love studying, I believe education is never the wrong investment in your life. So I've always said... If I had won a lottery, I'm going to spend one third of the money on paying tuition. I want to get another degree in law and I want to get another degree in philosophy. Just these type of stuff. I, I talk about it a lot. but So maybe one day I'll get it when I turn like 40 or 50. I feel like I'm the type of person to go after. It's not the degree name that I want. It's the things, the materials that I want to learn in it. That's why. And I remember my partner and I talked about what does education mean to us. I know, right? We talk about this. So he said we should take the classes, different diverse classes in university when we can. Because later on, we don't know when we will be able to study these topics again or take different classes. So we both took a bunch of weird classes outside of my major. Uh, we took like architecture, it had nothing to do with writing, had nothing to do with his physics. So we also took landscape design and we took arts. I also took environmental science, atmosphere science, 
studied forest, basically understood why forests exist and why we need them, and they're important. I loved that class so much. I remember it was taught by a Russian professor. She was one of the best professors I've ever met. From the way she taught us, I could tell she actually cared. She cared and she had a passion. She believed in what she was talking. So it was very convincing and that class changed a lot about how I feel about our environment when it comes to environmental issues. So I'm happy I took it. <laughs> For those who are listening, if you love learning, please take different classes outside of your major and they will change your perspectives. And actually, I love people challenging my perspective and my beliefs. That's just who I am. Okay, next question. Who are the three people who have been the most influential to you? Okay, that's a very hard question, but um, I have met a lot of great people in my life. The first one I like to talk about is one of my teacher slash friend I've met in high school, and I've dedicated a poem to her in my book. The name of the poem is called My Angel Hero. So if you're interested, you could look it up. And she changed my life because she told me, don't be your biggest enemy. She told me, don't be your biggest enemy, Amy. And that one line stuck with me for the rest of my life. Every time I try to attack myself, try to hurt myself emotionally, I would think of her and I remember this. And I try to be a responsible adult for my own feelings, actions, and everything. So she changed everything. And second person is probably my partner. Before I met my partner, I had a different thought on marriage, family, and love. But she taught me how to be loved and how to love someone. He taught me just a lot of different lessons about love and about giving, especially. Treating people and be kind. I feel like I became a better person because of my partner. Oh, this sounds very cheesy, but it's true though. As a human being, I feel like I'm better because I've met him and he taught me a lot when it comes to understanding and be mature at treating different people. So I'm pretty thankful. I'm very thankful of him. And the third person who was very influential to me is probably my middle school, high school friend. Her name is Ellie and you've heard her voice in previous episodes. She changed my life because she's always there for me, and she's everything the opposite of me. But we became best friends regardless. Sometimes she taught me how to be patient, how to be more understanding, and she taught me a lot of lessons. She's always so pure and kind and never wanted to hurt anybody. And she's really the, one of the nicest girls I've ever met. She would tell me that don't worry so much and I would tell her the same thing. So it's nice to have these kind of comfort in my life. Mm. <laughs> Why does this become like a confession episode? But 
that's the answer to your question. The three people who have been the most influential to me. Okay, so what is the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months, and why? Okay, so this question, I know. Please don't fall asleep. I mean, if you do, you can fall asleep in midnight o two. I understand. If you're listening to this, it's probably midnight. So if I just woke you up with my voice, uh, I'm sorry. Anyways, my biggest surprise is I've met two special people, and they could be listening to this episode, and you know who you are. So if you're listening to this, I'm very thankful and grateful. Again, I'm I've met them because of writing, too. For example. For some reasons, something about them just attracted me to build a friendship. I've never wanted to be friends with someone this badly, and when I talked to them, when I met these two friends, I just felt like we've met for a long time. It's as if we've understood each other. We've always been here for each other for a long time. I used to not believe in this kind of saying, but then. Meeting them has changed my life and changed how I feel about friendships and the value in friendship. It made me question if I had never made a good friend before, like if I've never chose to be friends with someone before. Like everything turned out to be, hmm. It's kind of hard to explain, but I think adult friendship, friendship after graduation. Is a different level, because everybody is so busy. Everybody has their business going on, and it takes time, dedication, efforts to take out some of your time for the other person, as friends. So I cherish this a lot. I think meeting these two friends is one of the best things that happened to me in 2020, and I'm grateful for them. So I was surprised because I didn't think I would be vulnerable in front of people I just met, but I met them just now. But I could tell them everything, and I feel safe by telling them everything for some reason. In personal life, I'm someone who's more reserved and more serious when it comes to relationships because I want to think about everything before I make a decision. So I'm surprised at myself. I'm surprised that I told them everything about me, and I became friends. And they also told me a lot about them. Okay, okay. Next question: How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your role? So, like I said, learning is very important for me. I need learning and challenges. Daily in life to make me feel alive. Oh, that sounds really complicated. You know what I mean? Because if you've listened this far, you need you know I love doing a lot of different things. Sometimes I tell people I'm a greedy person. I want to do so many different things, and I want to do well in every single one of them. But I I I do understand that I can't have everything. At one time frame, so I try to separate them and plan it out. So, I try to take online lessons. I do try to also do well in my design, 
So I have signed up for like an online certificate program in user experience design outside of my writing and podcast career. So I will say read more newspapers and subscribe to different channels and different media, but stay open-minded because everything could be biased, and it's important to know what information you're taking in and how you are digesting and using the information. Uh, I also learn to keep track of a lot of things. So I think go to meetups or they'll go to conferences. Sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to go, but I would push myself a little bit forward to go to those places. This is how I tell myself. There's always that one person, two people you need to meet at every social occasion. Sometimes I just am glad that I went in the end. So people will surprise you. Oh. That was the end of the question, and I've answered so many questions today. If you have more questions, let's do another Q and A when it comes to.、Mm, let's do another Q and A when we hit like two thousand downloads or three thousand, maybe. <laughs> well, but of course, if you're in my audience. If you have any question, I will try my best to answer them. And you could email your question or your feedback or what you want to say to me、uh, to ahcpoetry@gmail.com, or you could inbox me at my Instagram account ahcpoetry. And it's been more than a year that I started Midnight O2. I'm very happy, very thankful. Every single week, I have. You guys, here with me. Although I don't know your names, perhaps, but I am thankful. So thank you for listening. And again, thanks for tuning in to Midnight O Two. I am your host Amy, and I will see you next week. Have a good night.